I have with me a guest today that sometimes I see more often than I do my own family members because he and I appear on television together. And I, I have been uh, thinking that you folks needed to meet him for the last couple of years, but neither of us had time. So I'm very excited to finally introduce to you uh, the National Vice President of the Fraternal Order of Police and my friend, now Lieutenant Joe Jamaldi. Welcome to the show, Joe. Uh, thanks for having me on, Betsy. You know, after that warm welcome, I have to give you that 20 bucks for such a nice introduction. I mean, that's that's a nice way to be welcome onto the show. <laughs> Absolutely. So I'm sure your face is familiar to most people because um, you are out there, you know, talking about crime and policing issues. And you've been doing this for a while. We're going to talk about that. Um, and and you do it with such authority and you do it in, in such a way that I think is incredibly wel welcoming to everyone. You just put the facts out there. And I know that law enforcement officers appreciate that, but I know citizens appreciate it too. So we're going to talk about what that is like to be on that media hot seat um, all the time. But first and foremost, you're a cop, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I started my career back in 2005 with the NYPD. I uh, worked there for three years. Uh, but, you know, I was living in a shoebox apartment, you know, type that's so small when you open your bedroom door, it hits your bed. And I was like, you know, this isn't really what I want for my life. So I looked around at what you get for the money and uh, Houston Police Department was hiring at the time. And this was about, you know, 15, 16 years ago. I uh, got hired on with them, just better quality of life, cheaper cost of living. Kind of the rest is history. Uh, I got involved locally with our local lodge as the uh, the vice president. Shortly thereafter, after about five years of serving under a great mentor, Ray Hunt, here in Houston, I became the president for three years and then on to the national vice president of the FOP, where I've served for that for the last four years. And I've got another two-year term right here in front of me. So it's been a wild ride, but people don't realize I still put on a uniform every single day. I still work night shift. I'm a patrol lieutenant at our West Side Division. So I, I'm still in touch with all the issues that are really impacting law enforcement every single day. Well, and that's what I want to talk to you about because, you know, first of all, um, police unions very often get attacked in the media and by politicians. And, and especially in the last three years, we keep hearing this mantra that um, police unions just protect bad cops. That's all they're there for. And now I was an FOP cop, uh, you know, in, in the Chicago area and, uh, and nothing could be further from the truth, but can you explain to people what exactly police unions do? Sure. And you know, what a lot of people think is exactly what you said. Oh, well, unions just exist to protect bad cops, and it's a complete load of crap. What police unions exist for is to protect police officers who are following policy, training, and the law, and to constantly advocate to get better pay and better benefits. Because what I tell people is, do you really think that politicians in this country nowadays are going to give an officer a fair shake anymore? Of course not. Anytime there's any kind of controversy or public pressure, they're going to fire that officer. They're going to discipline that officer. There needs to be somebody to defend them. And, and oh, here's another thing. 
Do you really think politicians are going to just, out of the goodness of their heart, give police officers pay, uh, pay raises? I mean, for goodness sake, they were just trying to defund police departments just a couple years ago. So you think they're going to give them pay raises if we're not organized as a group? You know, we're no different than any other union. And the, and the point of it is to make sure that we're constantly making working conditions better for officers. We're making sure that we're taking care of their families, that they have medical benefits, that they have retirement benefits. Those are the goals of the union. And, and at the same time, still providing that brotherhood and sisterhood that can be extremely valuable for officers, especially when we talk about officer wellness. Everybody knows it's no secret. We have double the suicide rate than the general public. And being a part of a union and having that brotherhood and sisterhood can really give people an outlet to speak to someone who knows what they're dealing with and knows what they're going through. Now, you just had the uh, national convention in Las Vegas. What were you hearing from our brothers and sisters in law enforcement? You know, when I'm talking to any officer, you know, obviously, like we always talk about pay and benefits because, you know, people are always concerned about what they're getting paid. But like the overarching themes are, are almost universally the same. Number one, safety because we are being shot at historic rates. We've had over 250 police officers shot this year. That's on the heels of last year, we had over 340 police officers shot. And the year before we had 330. We're on track to pass those numbers this year. We started tracking this data about eight years ago and we've never seen numbers this high before. 2021 was the deadliest year for law enforcement intentional homicides that we've seen in two decades. And I, you know, I constantly message to every officer that's out there right now. And if you are watching right now, you have to have your head on a swivel. You have to be watching each other's backs because these dirtbags are thinking less and less of shooting at us. And they're thinking less and less of killing us. They're not worried about the penalties anymore. They're not worried about the consequences. They're going to shoot at you, you know, and, and that's just the reality of it. Another thing that I'm really hearing from police officers is just staffing. And, you know, we actually did a survey of over 4,000 police officers in this country. And the number one stressor that they had was staffing. And when you think about it, it makes sense because it bleeds over into everything. You're worried about your safety because you don't have backup. You can't take a day off to go spend time with your family. You're running call to call to call. They're canceling your days off. They're canceling your weekends off. This all stresses an individual officer because we can't recruit anyone because, you know, politicians and the media and plenty of others have treated us like crap for the better part of a decade. So nobody wants to take the job. And then, you know, I think the final thing is just police officers. We don't need a pat on the back. OK, you know, you were you've been in law enforcement a long time, you know, playing. we're not asking for people to pat us on the back, but we are asking you to support us. We are asking you to treat us like we actually matter and that what we do for our communities matter. And that's not a you know high bar that we're asking people to consider, you know, politicians and, and the general public. And listen, I know that the silent majority is behind us 100% and I get it, but we need a little bit more. We need you to come out and support us. Show up at your city council meetings and talk good about the police. And then for nothing else, if you see us out, just thank us for our service. You have no idea what that means to an individual officer. You'll make his day, his or her day. Right, because supporting law enforcement, you're you're basically supporting your own safety, aren't you? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, if if you're not paying attention to what's going on in our urban communities right now, they're war zones. 
I mean, the, the urban decay we have seen is unlike anything I've seen in my career because, you know, over the last 20 years, the American police officer delivered historic crime reductions in our urban communities. And it, it really led to a renaissance. People felt safe going to cities, walking around shopping with their family. That's gone. It is completely gone. Crime is through the roof. In 2021 and 2022, we had over 20,000 homicides in this country. We haven't seen those numbers since the mid-1990s. And those numbers are actually underreported because New York and LA haven't gotten their statistics to the FBI yet. So those numbers are even greater. Our urban communities, they look like war zones. I mean, look at Seattle and Portland where every business under the sun is closing. Their tax base is completely destroyed because people are moving out. You can't even find a U-Haul truck in New York because everybody's getting out. That's the reality of what we're living in. If you don't think that won't eventually bleed over into the suburbs and into nicer neighborhoods, you're dreaming. It will if we don't take a stand now and support law and order candidates and make sure that we're actually holding people accountable for their actions. Now, you live and police in a border state. I live in a border state. How much does the open border policies of this administration affect day-to-day -day crime? Oh, it absolutely affects day-to-day -day crime. And, and I'll tell you right now, anybody who tells you that the open border policy is not impacting crime in America is just, they're either completely ignorant or they're lying, one of the two, okay? Um, because we are absolutely, we are arresting people. Now, and like, let's be clear, we're not just arresting people who are like in this country illegally for committing a crime. We're arresting people who have been deported multiple times for previous felonies and they come right back. We're talking like we arrested them a couple months back for a felony they get deported and they're right back in or they get arrested for misdemeanor crimes they're not deported they're released right back out on the street and they commit another crime i mean it's complete insanity and and here's the rub they'll say well what why can't you guys you know arrest more of them blah blah it's the equivalent of if you have a broken pipe in your house and it's just gushing water right and that's the border we can sit there all day and mop that water and keep arresting folks. But if we don't stop the pipe, we're never going to stop the mess. If you actually close the border, law enforcement can do its job. We can continue to arrest these violent suspects who are in this country illegally, deport them. And then guess what? They can't come back in. And I mean, it's not that hard, Betsy. It really isn't. It's just a fact of we have an entire political party that has no interest in securing the border whatsoever. We have an administration who's not interested in securing the border. I mean, I think already this year, it's been like 7.4 million people, which is like the population of Arizona has already come over the border. Like, give me a break. Enough. Everybody knows it's wrong. Everybody just needs to stand up and demand that there's action taken. You know, uh, you talk about politics and, and uh, you know, back in the 90s, for example, police unions largely supported the Democrat Party and the Democrat Party largely supported police unions. We were part of that blue collar, working class, all of that. How the heck did it change, Joe? And how did we become so politicized? You know, it's interesting because it's just become such a, a, a polarization here in this country. You know, like it's almost like there's a lot of us who live our lives somewhat in the middle and for whatever reason, you know, we just have these 
two polar opposites that are just pulling people. But you're absolutely right. You know, Democrats used to support labor. They used to support the working man. They used to support police officers. And it's always a mystery to me today why they took the route of saying, because people will come up to me, people who are in, you know, other fields, but they're in the labor field, you know, will say, well, how could you support so many Republicans? And I go, well, that's pretty easy because the other side wants to eradicate my profession and calls me a murderer and a killer. So you've basically pushed every police officer over to the right because of the way you've treated us. I mean, it's, it's a bold strategy to just say, hey, there are 800,000 people in this country and their family members, and we have no interest in them voting for us. You know what I mean? And I, and I don't want to say every Democrat, because let's be fair. There are center-left Democrats, what I like to call blue dog Democrats, who still support law enforcement, who still support labor. But Republicans have clearly embraced law enforcement and embraced law and order and made themselves that party. But I'm also old enough to remember just a few years ago that Republicans would pat you on the back and say, hey, you're doing a great job as a police officer, but we don't think you deserve a pension for what you do. So, you know, you know how politics can be in this country. But, you know, what I tell people is don't worry about the R's and the D's at the end of their name. Worry about how they treat law enforcement. Worry about how whether or not they support law and order. See about how they treat you, how they view your kids how they view your schooling. Try to really drill down and do the research and figure out what does that person actually stand for and don't get so caught up with the R and the D at the end of their name. Yeah, that is absolutely so well said. You know, when we talk about police officer pay, the the disparity, if you will, um, between large and small departments, between different states, you know, for example, between California and Mississippi, things like that, um, it's pretty big. Do you think that, you know, in law enforcement, we can do anything about that or should we stick with local control? You know, what I would what I would advocate for everyone is like, listen, number one, if you're not a member of the FOP, you need to be. And, and if you don't have an organized local union or local lodge that's taking care of you, you need to contact your state FOP and make sure that you have one. There is strength in numbers. And I think the solution is honestly locally and negotiating and figuring out what works because yeah, there are certain sections of the country that are going to need to get paid more just based on cost of living. But what everybody needs to realize as a police officer right now is that there is an opportunity here when no one wants to take this job and we have people at record level retirements and record level retention. Now is the time to make sure that your elected officials and your community understands just how valuable you are the ones that are still here, and that you need to be paid as such. You know, the war on cops in this country really started in 2014 um, with the uh, death of Michael Brown, a young man in Ferguson, Missouri, who tried to disarm and shoot a cop, and he got killed. But the way yeah, he also that- robbed someone, beat up the store owner, remember yeah, that? After doing a strong-arm yeah. robbery in a convenience store- um, you know, but the way that that was handled by the media, partially by law enforcement leadership initially, um, just and the way that it was handled by the federal government, let's be honest, that really started this this quote unquote war on cops that we continue to see. You were right in the middle of all that, that whole media storm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was uh, daily that I was doing interviews and, you know, the message that I was really trying to send during that time is like, 
you know, we're human beings too. And we have been under attack for years. And all the rhetoric that was being used and all the anger and the demonization that was put towards us by politicians, by the media, by grifters, activists. Listen, if there was a dollar to be made or influence to be had, everybody was jumping on that bandwagon. And what I try to make people understand is that has consequences. And we're seeing it play out because guess what? Police officers across this country, we're playing with our blood and our lives. Because if you look since 2015, as we were talking about, violence against us has consistently gone up with a massive spike in 20, 21, 22, and now 23. What do, you, do we think that's all just a coincidence? And you know what the best part is? You'll have people in the media and academics who sit their asses safely behind their desk, I will remind you, trying to convince people that there is no war on cops in this country. And I, I laugh in their faces because we have all the data to prove it. And they'll say things like, well, you know, per capita, uh, lumberjacks die more than police officers. Well, guess what? The damn tree isn't trying to kill the lumberjack, okay? Police officers is literally the only profession in this country, with the exception of our brave service uh, men and women, and I thank them for their service. This is the only profession in this country where you go to work and people are actively trying to kill you. Yeah, absolutely. And not only are we being shot at, but and you talked about this in the beginning, we die twice as often by our own hand as we do by felonious assaults. And I know that the Fraternal Order of Police takes police officer mental health incredibly serious. Talk about that. Yeah, so we actually created a position on the national level of a wellness director and her entire job is, number one, to go around the country uh, raising awareness and putting on training seminars, but also vetting different programs that can be available for officers if they need help. And, you know, we stress it to make sure that it is so important for officers to take care of themselves because we want you to get through this career alive. We want you to get through it in one piece. And, and we know the stresses that they're under, you know, not just at work, but at home, financial, family, all these other things. And I implore officers, if you're watching this right now, Please take care of yourselves. Make sure that you're, you know, exercising regularly. Try to eat the best you can. I know that's hard on night shift because those aren't the things we're open. But we really try to preach an overall approach to officers because we want what's best for them. And it's it's probably never been a more difficult time to be a police officer than it has been just the last few years. But I do want to tell people that are watching, despite all the negative things we may be talking about right now, there is about 750,000 to 800,000 police officers in this country with all of this violence and all of the you know issues with well all these things that impact them they still show up to work every single day they still put a uniform on and they're still willing to put their lives on the line to protect you and your family and uh, that's what our profession is all about it's it's a mission you know none of us do this for the money i mean it's great to get paid <laughs> What's your word? Yeah, we ain't becoming millionaires doing this. No, no, nobody, nobody comes into this job thinking, hey, I think I'm going to be a cop so I can get rich. You know, we we all know that it's truly a mission because we, you know, we care about our communities. And the the FOP is also involved in a lot of charitable work around the country, aren't they? Yeah, we support a number of charities, you know, Special Olympics, Easter Seals. Um, another great thing that we did is we actually started a disaster uh, response team. 
so that when there is a, you know, a hurricane, tropical storm, and we're probably going to be deploying here to Florida just shortly, um, we actually show up and we feed thousands of officers who may not have a place to eat. We've taken to doing remediation at officers' homes. We're cutting up trees or helping them fix their homes. And we're helping the public too. If the public needs to be fed, we're taking care of them. But I think that just speaks to the spirit of a police officer. For those of you who may not be familiar with us as like a population who we are, we're extremely giving people and we're extremely helpful people because, you know, I know it sounds so cliche. We all got into law enforcement to help people, but that isn't just a job. Like that bleeds over into all aspects of our lives. Police officers coach their kids' soccer teams, baseball teams. They're constantly volunteering at their churches. That's just who we're salt of the earth, good people. It's just, if you watched, you know, CNN and MSNBC, they'd make you think that we're all killers. That's just not the reality. And if you took the time to get to know a police officer, man, in a second, you'd know what we're all about. Now, oh, that is that is just so incredibly well said. I, I knew you would wrap this up well. Joe, where can people hear from you and where can they hear from the organization? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, please follow me on Twitter at Joe Gamaldi. Instagram's the same at Joe Gamaldi, uh, Joe Gamaldi National FOP on, on Facebook. And then if you want to follow the National FOP, it's at GLFOP on Twitter and uh, at National FOP on Instagram and Facebook. And I really encourage people like follow our stuff, check out our content and please share because a lot of the times we're fighting the good fight, just like you are, Betsy, when we have these people, you know, like the defund divas trying to take out law enforcement and uh, we take them head on and, you know, we'd appreciate any help we can get spreading that message. Joe Gamali, you are a national treasure when it comes to this profession. We appreciate everything you do. And we thank you for spending time with us today. And if you'd like more information about the National Police Association, visit us at nationalpolice.org. Last year, law enforcement officers were involved in hundreds of thousands of use of force incidents. A use of force incident is when an officer must use nonverbal tactics to gain control of a dangerous situation. Put the knife on the ground. In many cases, officers have no choice but to use force when a suspect doesn't comply with a lawful order. Use of force is always ugly. No one likes it, especially police officers. Together, we can help de-escalate these dangerous encounters. Help police officers by complying with their lawful orders. Don't attack, attempt to disarm, or flee from an officer. Use of force is an officer's last option. Most incidents can be avoided by not resisting arrest. If you feel you've been wrongfully detained by a police officer, then seek a legal solution after the encounter has been resolved. Let's keep everyone safe. Comply now and complain later.